movie. Games We Grew Up With, a podcast that relies on nostalgia and a geeky sensibility. In this podcast, my sister and I will look back at some of the games we played as kids. Or almost kids. We'll talk through some of the memories we have of the game, then see how it's held up by replaying it, taking our reactions. And we'll probably mess around along the way. So I'm Katie. I'm Chris. And uh, let's just get started. So before we get into, uh, I guess, the meat of the podcast, we should start with what our background is. The two of us are siblings, and we started gaming in the early to mid-90s. I know our uh, grandparents had an old, it wasn't old at the time, Nintendo, that had, I think, three games? It had Mario, it had Duck Hunt, and it had a casino game. I forgot about the casino game. That's right. That's where I sort of learned how to play craps, so when I was like seven. That was the only gaming we had for a long time, and then probably mid-90s, uh, we ended up with a Sega Genesis from a neighbor and just a buttload of games, and we just started playing all the time. And I guess we had played games at friends' houses, right? We played at the babysitters, I played at the neighbor's house and some friend's house. I'm assuming you probably did the same. Absolutely. We did a lot of gaming. I think we were both really attracted to gaming outside of... Because at our grandmother's house, we would play at our grandparents' house. We'd play it all the time. And then... But we never had our own system. So I think we both went out of our way a lot of times to find places that we could play. But our parents weren't uh, huge fans of us spending too much time gaming. So we didn't get the system till relatively late in comparison to a lot of people. And it was a Genesis, which is, you know... By, by circumstance, we, we were firmly planted on the Sega side of the console war, which is funny because later on, there's games, easy Super Nintendo games. Not easy, I say, like the staples that we just never played. Or would only have played very briefly with friends or something right. like that, that we never had a full experience of those games. So we might have like a precursory knowledge of it or a little bit of, I kind of remember playing sort of, but we never really played as thoroughly as we played on those Genesis games. And then uh, following that, I think the first big investment we ever made together as siblings was the PS1. We pulled our money together and bought a PS1 and a bunch of games with it because we were allowed to finally do so. And that, that was a big investment for us at the time was we bought ourselves a PS1. And I think, again, we kind of fell on the console war side by doing so. I think we were influenced because our friends had PS1s at the time, so that's what we bought. And so that really, again, influenced the way I ended up gaming long term, because that's when I really started to play, play more than just casually was on the PS1. And then we've kind of evolved from there. And I think the interesting thing is we really connected as kids playing together on these systems. But as adults now, uh, we live on opposite coasts. And it's been really nice that we've been able to stay connected by gaming online together coast to coast. And so we, we are still able to game online. And that's been really awesome as well. And that's really almost the genesis of this podcast, because we've been meeting to play together for a while. And we just never got around to it. 
And then I think once this whole COVID thing started and it's like, well, we're locked in. We're just sitting around the house and not going out. Maybe we should actually get this game night thing going again. So we started playing Overcooked 2 because we'd been meaning to and then just branched out from there. And it's like, hey, what if we just did a podcast about all those games that we did growing up? And now we're uh, trying to figure things out. We're replaying some of those old games and should be an adventure along the way. So next, we're going to do the segment that every gaming podcast ever does. And we're just going to do a quick discussion of what we're playing right now. So, Chris, what are you playing right now? Uh, Right now, I'm playing a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Switch because I got it from my in-laws for my birthday a couple weeks ago and just kind of dove into that because I never really played any of the Mario Karts for Wii U, which I guess is Mario Kart 8. But No one played it for Wii U. <laughs> that's fair. So the nice thing about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is that it, it gets all of the DLC and extra stuff and it's all together all already. So I think the last Mario Kart that I played was 64 on someone else's console. So it's actually been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Definitely got that for our Switch and played that for a while, so it's a lot of fun. It's it's good. Uh, I've been playing a little bit of Assassin's Creed 2. I played a lot early on in Staying Home and then kind of tapered off a little bit, but I've got this grand scheme where I want to play through all of the Assassin's Creed games in order again, but now i got to go back and dig up all of these Sega games, so we'll see how that goes. But Assassin's Creed 2 is just such a good game. It is a classic. Ezio's my boy. I think it's my favorite. All right, Katie, so what are you playing now? On my end of things, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake because I'm trying to platinum it. And then the other game I've been playing, it's a game called uh, Murder by Numbers. It's a Switch game. And it's one of those picto pictograph games where you, you are given, like, it's a math problem of boxes and you have to color the shade based on the clues given to you. It's called a pick cross game. The Professor What's-His-Face? Not Professor Layton. But you're given like a 10 by 10 box and then on each row is given a clue of saying eight of these boxes are shaded in and you have to figure out which eight of the 10 are shaded in and it creates a picture. It's a game I saw being played online and I had played a version of it on my cell phone, like of a different game, but that same idea. So I got it for the Switch and essentially it's a murder mystery where you do like little mini puzzles to find clues. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a really good game for me to relax and just kind of chill and I can just do while watching a show or something like that in the background. So that's been the game. I've, I've been playing kind of in the meantime um, is, uh, yeah, it's called Murder by Numbers. It's a lot of fun. That actually sounds really cool, and I might have to check that out. So this week, we are going to be playing Earthworm Jim. Earthworm Jim was released in 94, developed by uh, Shiny Entertainment for the Sega Genesis. It was a 2D side-scroller with kind of a blend of run-and-gun platformer elements. Think kind of like that Contra feel a little bit. They released a bunch of sequels. In 95, they released Earthworm Jim 2. In 99, they actually released two sequels, Earthworm Jim 3D and Earthworm Jim Menace to the Galaxy. They eventually turned this into a TV show from 95 to 96 on WB. And one of the notes on this is that Earthworm Jim was actually voiced by Dan Castellaneta, which is Homer Simpson for all of you people that don't know voice actors. And really, if you look through it, like, all the voice actors in that show, that was, like... A ton of the voice actors that were are huge in that era of cartoons. Like I, I watched a couple of the clips, and it's like it's it's that guy and, and that woman. Like holy cow! Yeah, Kyle and I tried to rewatch one of the first episodes, and it was as ridiculous as I remembered. 
So a big part of this game that kind of set it apart, in, in my opinion anyways, was the music. And that was composed by Tommy, and I'm going to say this wrong, Tallarico. Apparently, the music was so popular it was actually requested at a bunch of his concerts to just play music from Earthworm Jim at his concerts. So I guess that kind of tells you what kind of impact this soundtrack had. Overall, this was a really well-received game, hence the sequels and the TV show. It just was a very popular game. Game rankings scored at 81%. Uh, Video Game Magazine had it as the best Genesis game in March of 1995. Uh, it won Best Game of the Year by Game Fan in 94. Uh, it was also the first game to ever receive a 100% review in Game Master Magazine. So while most of those magazines don't exist anymore, the point was it was really popular at the time period. It was just very well-received by fans and by critics. All right, so now we're going to play a little tune on our Chiacarina of time and journey back into the distant past of a week ago. This is before we replayed the game, and we're going to put in this segment that is kind of a uh, our first impression. So before we did any of this, before we played the game and made all of our notes, we did some quick brainstorming. You know, what are our thoughts on the game? Just so they're completely independent... We're, we're looking through, I think, what we called our rose-tinted glasses, and we're going to see if it holds up based on what our initial impressions and what our memories were based on the game. Just so everyone is on the same page as us, uh, Chris, what is the Chiak Arena of time? So, our last name is Chiak, and we're playing off of that whole Ocarina of Time thing because we both like Zelda, so... Producer Kyle was smart enough to take our name and throw it together. Hence, Chi Ocarina of Time. We heard it once, and I don't think I've ever let it go. So let's let's roll that tape and see how we did. So now we're in the rose-tinted glasses segment. Before we play the game again, we're going to talk about what we thought about it way back when, and then we'll go back and play it, and we'll try to see what we're going to say. We're going to look back at our memories of the game, figure out why we liked it, what about this game makes it pop up in our memories all the time, and why we want to revisit it today, and what we think will happen when we play it again. So why are we doing Earthworm Jim? What do you think of Earthworm Jim first impressions when you hear that name right now. It's the slimy little creepy dude who barely fits in his suit. That's the first thing I always think of this game is just the actual visual of Earthworm Jim in his space suit. And how badly that creeped me out as a kid. And he was just a worm and then just kind of got thrown into that suit, right? It like, if I remember, it landed on the ground and he just kind of slithered in like a worm. I don't know. He got a super suit. It, it's his super suit. It was almost a Ren and Stimpy type thing. The art style was kind of that like 90s random. It was really bright. There were a lot of bright colors. I remember it being very visceral in that the environment always felt very alive more than a lot of other 2D platformers we played at the time. I felt like you interacted with the environment way more in this game than in other games. It was a gross out factor. They did creepy inside the stomach of an animal kind of thing or weird surroundings. It was never like a forest. It's the backgrounds of it where we're so much more than a lot of the other platformers, side-scroller type things. You started in a junkyard and you 
let go a cow. Do you remember that? So I didn't remember the cow until I saw your notes on it. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, the cow! You launched a cow, and then way at the end of the game, it came back. I just remember interacting with my surroundings in that game. It was another character, which I think is why it stuck out in my memory so much. I remember more than just Earthworm Jim, I remember the environments of the game because they were an extra character almost in the game, which it was just really unusual at the time because you didn't build out that much back then, I feel like. Which is better than what I remember because honestly, and I know I've beaten this game, this is one of the few games that I've actually beaten. And of all the Sega games, because they're historically hard, all of those games are historically hard. They're impossible. So many of those games were so impossible. It's amazing how emulators help us beat games now. Right? Like, you could just save scum all over the place. Earthworm Jim was one of the few games that I actually remember beating. And I say that and I literally can't remember any level except the first one in the junkyard. And I know that I liked this game. I remember you beating it, but I just think I was just so viscerally grossed out by so much of the game and just wasn't good at it. I just remember watching you play it more than I ever remember playing it myself. I remember the unique mechanic of your suit can take the worm out of the suit and use it as a lasso. And whip it around, yeah. It was just so ridiculous in such a great way. It weirded me out, but it just, it it stuck in my head for a a really long time. And the sound effects of it, the whipping sound effect, and whenever you picked up a plasma, and it just went, plasma! Plasma! The sound effects were just so good in that game. So I think that's what I remember of the game. I think those are the big things I remember. That's what stands out. It should be interesting to play it again. Because again, I don't feel like I played it that much as a kid. I watched it a lot, but I don't know if I just actively played it as much as a kid. So I think that's going to be kind of an interesting jump back into the game. Is I don't think I'll have any muscle memory, to be fair, of the game. Oh, I know. And again, going back to getting the Sega Mini, and I played a couple games, and I don't know if it's just how they mechanize the new controller. It's very clunky. It is a bit clunky, but then again, I just, I remember the Sega controllers being clunky, to be fair. They weren't the most ergonomic controllers. It's true. It's better than the 64 ones. Oh, yeah. To be fair, I also think one of our controllers was a knockoff back in the day, so it probably didn't help. It was definitely not Sega name brand. Right. But we didn't know any better because we just bought the whole system with games and all. Bought it from a neighbor. Yes. And it came with all of the games we ended up having, as well as two controllers. Now I think it's time to look at our rose-tinted score. So this is the score we give the game from back then. So what did childhood Katie or childhood Chris give this game? I would say, as a kid, because I didn't play it myself that much, and I just I think there was just a gross-out factor for me. I did enjoy the pieces I played, and I really enjoyed watching you. I just didn't like playing it necessarily. I would say I give it like a six and a half out of 10. I just, I didn't like playing it enough to give it anything higher than that. What about you? I'm gonna go, I'll say an eight out of 10 rose tinted glasses. Okay. So now what we're gonna do is we're gonna say, if we play it again, what do we think? Knowing with the bias of all of the gaming that has come since then, what do you think you would give Earthworm Jim now. 
So I have a feeling I'm gonna like it a lot better just cause I think I'm gonna be more adjusted to it. And again, if it lives up to my expectations of the environment and all of that, I think I'm probably gonna give it an eight. I think an eight out of 10, one and a half point upgrade. And I'm gonna say only because I love the art style and I love the humor, but I feel like the actual gameplay might annoy me only because gameplay has come so far and I'm gonna be super biased. I'm gonna stake that right now. That'll be my position going forward. I'm judging all of these games as an old man, because I'm older than you are. Facts. I'm gonna say I will knock that down to probably a seven. These are gonna be all of our ratings because we're not talking about games that we hate yet. I think I'm still gonna go from an eight down to a seven because the gameplay is probably gonna be frustrating because all of those darn games are going to be frustrating. I think that's where we'll stand. So I'm predicting an 8 out of 10. You're predicting a 7 out of 10. And now we will have to go and play the game and see where we actually end up. And that's what I'm going to do because it was my birthday yesterday. And that's what I'm going to do for my birthday is play Earthworm Jim. I don't know. I don't hate that as a birthday. I got to take the victories where I could take them. Okay, so now that we've had our second playthrough of the Chiak Arena of Time and we are back in present day, how did we do? Uh, Before we give our replay scores, let's talk about how did we actually feel playing through again? What what did it feel like? What were we doing? Uh, What did we get right? What did we get wrong in our nostalgia moments? Uh, And we'll go from there. And at the end of this, we'll figure out how bad or correct we were in our scores. So what do you think? So it was just as hard as I remembered, and I'm still terrible at it. So that was consistent. It was, it was so hard. Like, I think it was harder than I remember. I think I forgot just how finicky old games can be sometimes when it comes to like, I should be landing on the platform that's right above my head, but I'm not. And that, that was definitely moments of, you know, you're, we're going to be definitely dealing with that of frustration But also just there were moments of like the game mechanics itself at times that I don't remember them being as difficult to get back to back as as I found it this time around. Well, the whipping, the bullwhip mechanic, I don't remember it being nearly that annoying. And I think it's because just going from, you know, an analog stick that we're used to now to a D-pad is just hard. Like once you kind of got it, it was there, but trying to do that stuff midair was so tough. It was the trying to do something back to back. So you're trying to swing from one hook to a second hook. And the timing had to be so precise that you hit it that I almost never hit it. And that was just really, really frustrating. (laughs) That was something that I forgot how frustrating it was. And as I, I now can look back and be like, this is why I got so frustrated as a kid is that these games had to be so precise. You had to be so precise. And I was not precise as a kid and I'm barely more precise now, which is why I still really struggled with this game. And I also remember why all I remembered was the junkyard because that junkyard level, just the mini boss in it is just so hard. Like it's all right, you're getting there and then you get to that boss and there's one way to beat it. And you have to shoot it from behind and not get hit, right? Yeah. As it's rolling by. But that's like, that could be over in about two seconds. Because if you get too close, he punches you into the air. Yeah. And then you got to go through the whole rigmarole. Or the fact that, in my opinion, it broke the cardinal. You hit it three times and it's dead rule. 
many of the bosses took more than three hits, and that was also frustrating. Oh, yeah, this this game absolutely hated the rule of three. Like, you do something, and you're like, come on, rule of three! Rule of three! Yeah, the number of times I definitely was yelling, I hit you three times, you should be dead! Why aren't you dead? Well, it's so funny because with that trash can boss, it's literally the first boss you run into, and it's not just shoot it. Even if 90% of the other bosses in the game are literally just shoot it. It's, yeah, that's why you remember that level, because you replayed that level over and over and over again. So many times. I think something that we both realized as well is that we were cheaters as children, because we're pretty sure that's how we got as far as we did. That's what I'm thinking. There's no way we would have gotten through this game as far without cheating. And as soon as I looked it up, I was like, there were cheat codes for this, right? It was like, oh, yeah, we definitely use these cheat codes. Oh, yeah. As soon as I heard that the sound effect where he's just like, cheater. Cheater. And I was like, I remember that noise a lot playing through this game. Yeah. We... We cheated a lot. But, you know, I, as a kid, it was how you got to play through games sometimes. It was that, that was the easiest way to get by certain areas that were really difficult. Um, I don't fault young Katie and Chris for that. I, I fault adult Katie and Chris a little bit more. I don't. <laughs> Technically, I did beat it. I just didn't beat it cleanly. Just in case that doesn't make it into the podcast, producer Kyle uh, is, is throwing it back in my face that I said I actually remember beating this game. And it turns out I beat it because I was a dirty, dirty cheater. And I have no regrets. I decided to play this game after we did the Rose Tinted Glasses. And it was like 2 in the morning and writing down notes. And that was the, the down the tubes where all of a sudden you're riding a hamster eating cats. So my note is just all in caps and it just says, Holy crap, I just rode a hamster. And I think fart noises above it because the weird things make fart noises when they fall on the ground. Yeah, yeah, you had some, uh, you sent me that picture and I had no idea what was written yeah. on that page. <laughs> but then as soon as you know, it's funny though, as soon as I saw, ha I wrote a hamster, I was like, oh, I completely forgot, oh, I about, forgot that hamster. about that part. And the, the bonus level where you're in the dark. Do you remember that? Oh, I do. And it's playing like the weird honky tonk maple leaf rag, yeah. that one. And it's just a bunch of eyes. And then all of a sudden you get to laugh. And it's just like these two gigantic eyes. And I literally went, Ugh! I had forgotten before we'd even done the playthrough again, the in-between levels. I the in-between levels you had to yeah. race Psycho. I had completely forgotten about Psycho in general, but also that that was like Asteroid Andy in between every single level. I had completely forgotten about that. And that's how you get more continues. If you get all of those little power orbs, you get a continue. Did not know that. That's good to know. I didn't know that, I think, until I looked it up, which would explain why when I played through again, I like got done well enough where it's like, how did I get three continues? Like, when did this happen? Though I will say, again, the other things that did actually line up with what I remember were the colors were as vibrant, the music was as good as I remember. And I think oh, yeah. we, we talked about the music beforehand, but I think the reason the music stuck out so much was it didn't feel always like video game music. It just felt like music that fit the video game, if that makes sense. Like Right, it, was, it actually sounded like a score. Yeah, and that's I think that's why the composer is so well noted and people loved his stuff so much is because it wasn't video game music. It was music that fit the video game. Similar, I think, to the Star Wars idea of they didn't ask for a Space Odyssey music. They just asked for, you know, music. And, and that's why it stood out so much and as legendary as it is today. And I think Earthworm Jim, well, not obviously at the Star Wars level, does have that moments of people appreciating that music. 
You heard it here. Katie just compared Earthworm Jim to Star Wars. You're going to hear me compare a lot of things to Star Wars in this podcast. Send your hate to <laughs> Katie's personal account, not the podcast account. I think the other thing that about this game that I was very frustrated by and didn't remember was that there was no ever explanations of how to beat bosses. And I think that was really common back then, and I didn't remember that. So it's not that in today's day and age you have them maybe spell it out for you, but I think it's more obvious they lead up to you're doing this mechanic right before the boss, therefore you're going to need to use this mechanic to beat the boss. That was very common in Zelda games, for example. You'd get a certain item right before the temple or in the temple in order to use it. The other thing is the midway boss was not midway through the level. I want to say the midway boss was about 80% through the level. You beat him and then like two minutes later, you're at the final boss. Definitely some frustrations that I remember as a kid and I thought I would be better at now as an adult, but I wasn't. It's funny that you talked about the whole like tutorial for a boss type thing. And I think if we're going to segue and comment into modern games a little bit, that's a good tutorial is definitely lost on modern games. I feel like a whole lot of times it, the tutorials are there, but it's it's a lot of handholding, right? Like, did you ever play Half-Life, the original Half-Life? I have. The tutorials in that were so seamless, like you didn't know you were doing a tutorial. And there was a couple times in this game where I kind of felt like that. Um, I don't think... Did you get to the part where you got yanked out of the suit in level 5? That was cleverly named level 5? I did not get that far in my playthrough. I definitely gave up before then. So the first time you go and Earthworm Jim gets yanked out of the super suit. And you have to like crawl along as a worm. And your suit's just on a conveyor belt underneath you. And it's waving at you the whole time. And you're trying to jump around stuff. And eventually it sits there at the end and, you know, waits for you to catch up. And then you hop back into it and then go on your merry way. Maybe halfway through that level or, or way later on in that level, it happens again. And this time it's like, oh, there's a bunch of health and ammo that you could pick up. And it's the same thing. You get yanked out. You're walking on. Suit's going below you. And I'm sitting there going, this is too good. Like, that's, that's that old school game thing, right? It's like, I'm given all of these items... Something bad is about to happen. And th that's in new games too, I guess. So, But that's sitting there. I'm watching the suit roll along on the conveyor belt underneath me as I'm jumping up and grabbing stuff. And I was like, oh no, it's going to dump this damn thing into a pit, isn't it? So I start running and there's the pit that my suit is going towards. I just managed to get it. But it's, it's one of those interesting things where it's like, first time is the easy mode. And then the second time, you know, holy crap, it's for real now. And that happened again in... Um, what was that level called? Can we talk about how great the level names are, by the way? I don't know if you ever looked those up. No, they're so clever. Even like the, the joke of level five. Yeah. But like down the tubes or what the heck. I mean, those are the early levels, but they're, they're just very clever names. And all of this stuff was in the manual, right? All of this yeah. was in the manual that we unfortunately don't have with the Sega Mini that we both played it on. Yeah, the manual is definitely, the idea of a manual is a lost art in video games, in my opinion. I loved the manuals back in the day. I loved that they had background stories for games, and I think that's where they explained things a lot of times in, in the manual, and I miss that. Not gonna lie. It's because they didn't have FMVs to be able to give all, all the backstories, so they got to give it somehow. Intestine Distress. Inte intestinal Distress was the name of the level that you you were remembering. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. That's the, the second to last level. I didn't know it was the second to last level that I remember for yes. some reason. Because <laughs> the last level is named Buttville. 
Yeah, it's Buttville. It's it made me laugh when I looked it up. I was like, it's called Buttville, and then I got to that level and I cried. Okay, so we've gone over it. Um, I think a mini segment we want to include here is while a lot of these games Chris and I will have already played and we're replaying, um, we'll have some times where only one of us have played the game and then the other person will experience it the first time. But in, in cases where we have both played the game the first time, we are going to subject our significant others to the game instead because we're cruel like that. Uh, and so uh, we had both of them play the games. I would say I have a couple of notes from them. Producer Kyle, he said it was... Just sometimes just difficult for the sake of being difficult, which I think is really indicative of games back then. There were definitely a theme of games being difficult to just seem difficult to do so. It also goes back to that they wanted your money. Oh, yeah. It goes back to the arcade games where they just wanted to suck the coins out of your pockets. Absolutely. And that was still, even though these games were not arcade necessarily, that's absolutely still that same mindset that I think some of these developers had. The controls were a bit tough for him, getting used to the D-pad again because it's been so long. And he said it was a good reminder that we used to only have a few games at a time thanks to having to beg parents to buy them. So there were plenty of time to beat a game. So you could commit an afternoon or a day or a weekend to beating a level, to beating a boss. And nowadays we have so many games, we have so many opportunities, we have so many ways around it. I don't think we we do that as much as we used to anymore. Um, So those were uh, producer Kyle's thoughts on... uh, some of his thoughts on the game. So to go with that great point of that we only used to have a few a few games, when I was when I was playing uh, that last level, Buttville, last night, because I was desperately trying to finish this game before we recorded this, and ultimately I failed because I, I couldn't do it anymore. Like, the first part of that level is... It broke you. It broke me. Like, you could watch that video... You finally get there, and it's just spikes everywhere, and you have to do the little helicopter glide thing, and go through, go Ooh. through a passageway. Ugh. So, anyways, curling back around to to producer Kyle's point, spend time with this. I had a guy that said in the the chat and Twitch. I think it was something. He said something along the lines of, "If it makes you feel better, I practice this level eight hours a day for about three months." And I still suck at it to this day. That That's a great comment. And that's probably true for many people. Yeah. So overall, though, I think it's finally time to review and make our final decision. So what would you say your final score on the game was, Chris? I, I'm still going to give the game an eight and a half. Only because... The music was good, the coloring was good, the animation was good. There were problems with it. There were a lot of weird, blind, jumpy stuff, which compared to today's games is annoying. But I still think just the heart of the game was really, really good, I thought. It had charm, it had personality. I really enjoyed the game as much as it frustrated me. And, you know, there were cheat codes, so if you just want to play through the game, you could just use those. And I didn't have to pay for the cheat codes. So that's a bonus. So what do you what do you think? What is what is your score for the game? So I think my final score after all of it is, while not quite as high as I might have rated it originally, I, I think I'd give it a seven out of ten. I did enjoy it more than I think I did as a kid, and I cannot completely fault the game for me sucking. 
that's on me. But the elements I really loved before, I loved now and I loved them even more because they have held up. A lot of it has held up over time more than I've expected it to even, even in the rose-tinted glasses kind of way. Like the, the music, I remember liking it, but then listening to it again, I was like, yeah, I really did like this music. And the colors were so bright. And I really enjoyed even just watching again, watching the game, because I, I did not end up playing through as much as you did, but I watched a lot of your playthrough. And I just, I really enjoyed the game. So I, I'd say I ended at a seven out of 10. I think the really the finicky controls at time just frustrated me more than I thought they were going to. And I think the struggles sometimes you go through were a little unnecessary. Like sometimes they, it, as producer Kyle said, it beat you up just to beat you up. And I, that was very frustrating at times. So I'd say a seven out of 10. So compared to where we thought we would be, I am about one point off and you were about one and a half points off in opposite directions. Funny enough, <laughs> I, I projected that it was going to be higher than I ended up rating it and you predicted lower than you ended up rating it. So we were both absolutely wrong is the conclusion to that. <laughs> That's fair. I just had fun. I was so mad so many times playing that game, but it was still, it was, it was good. We didn't even talk about the cow, the cow payoff. We mentioned it in the, the rose tinted glasses you launch the cow, and then then you beat the game, and you rescue Princess What's-Her-Face. And that's actually her name, I'm her pretty sure. Her real name. That is her real name. And then she gets hit by the cow. And then the game ends. Like, that's the kind of game it was. I forgot that the cow is a reoccurring theme through the game as well. You don't just yes. launch it at the beginning of the game. It appears throughout multiple levels. Yeah. It uh, just shows up in the background. Just mooing. Mooing and sailing through the sky. So... I would say, based on our scores, the final question we have, or final two questions, I should say, is there a remake, which in this case there isn't. There have been, they've reissued it on newer systems. They did an HD remake, I want to say, on the PSN. Yeah, they did a remaster. They haven't done a remake. I think that's more than enough for this particular game. I don't think it needs a remake. I think it'd lose some of the good parts of it if there is a full remake, uh, the way they are making games now. Right. And uh, the, the very last question we're going to ask is, was it worth playing again? And would you go back and continue to play it in the future? Yes, probably to both. I say definitely glad that I played it again. I probably would try to go back and beat it, but the last level is so daunting. And part of me is like, I kind of know I beat it and I think I'm good. So at some point, if for the challenge, I might. We'll see. What about you? Do you like playing it again? Would you keep playing? I definitely enjoyed it enough i'm glad i replayed it that definitely was worth the replay and, and re-watching again just actually re-watching the playthrough a lot again i don't know if it's a game i'd go back to over and over again i might eventually try to be better than i was in this particular playthrough but i don't know if it's a game i would feel enough love that i felt like i had to get to the ending of the game i don't i don't quite feel that same passion for it so i think it was worth a re a retouch in for me but i don't think it's something i need to beat well, I think that's all we got on this game. So I think we came to the conclusion that if you're looking for a hard, punishing platformer, cut along those lines of Cuphead, and I say that because Cuphead was pretty much copying this sort of game. If you like Cuphead, go back and play this game and you'll be just as frustrated and annoyed and challenged. If you remember the game and you played the game growing up, it's definitely worth going back and playing through again because it's just as funny just as fun just as annoying and frustrating as it was and i enjoyed the heck out of it next episode we are going to see if vector man also on the sega genesis will live up to the same 
circumstances. Is it going to be worth the replay or not? Is it going to live up to our nostalgia or not? We'll find out for the next episode. So thank you for joining us on this new adventure we're on. And we look forward to seeing you next time. This is Chris. And this is Katie. Signing off. Deuces. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha!